We're going to read uh, from Luke 2, the birth of Jesus, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the, of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is, will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they <clears throat> had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they were told. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone who is here and who is joining us online. Lord, we've come together. Sometimes we're not quite sure why, but it is because you've called us. You want us to be here. You want us to be listening in so that your spirit can shape us and form us more and more into who you've called us to be through this time of worship. Lord, now as we, as we dive into your word, as we reflect on it, I pray that the words which will be spoken, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. 
And the excitement of Christmas is growing and growing. And, and honestly, as we, as we come close, it's good to slow down on Sunday mornings to reflect on, uh, on why we're here and what Christmas is really all about. That Christmas is about the coming of Jesus Christ. Last week we reflected on the shepherds and Jesus as a good shepherd and how there is praising going on. And this morning we're reflecting on the angels uh, who appeared to the shepherds and, and the praise that they offer. They offer because Jesus has come. One writer defines praise as the natural response of believers to God at all times and in all places, involving adoration in music and song. I really appreciate the natural response at all times and in all places. Way too often we, we restrict our praise to Sunday mornings or maybe to a time when we go to a Christian concert or to an evangelism meeting or, or something like that. But wherever we are, whenever we are, we're called to, to live in such a way that, that we're praising God in everything. And that's what I love about the angels and the shepherds. Both of them, their response is to praise God and to, and to celebrate and to say, wow, God's doing an amazing thing here. Praising God for the gift of Jesus, for his faithfulness and keeping his promise to send a Savior to send the Savior into the brokenness and hurt in the world. And now God shines the gospel news that the Lord has come to change things and bring peace on earth, to bring hope that things can be different. The shepherds go about their work watching over the sheep in the fields at night just outside of Bethlehem. They're visited by an angel of the Lord who suddenly appears in the night sky with a message for them because that's what an angel is, a messenger. Don't be afraid. Probably thinking it's a little late to say that right now as they're probably trembling as this angel is sitting in the night sky. But he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. Now as Jewish shepherds, these words echo into all kinds of places, into their hearts and souls and minds, into their memories, into the memories of who they are as Jewish people. You know, waiting for a Messiah that's going to sit on their throne and it's going to lead them into freedom and, and into being God's people forevermore. No longer will, be there, will there be oppression. No longer will anybody else rule over them except for God through the Messiah. And they're going, wow, this is amazing news. It's no wonder that the shepherds are celebrating like crazy. The Messiah has come. And God is making sure that the news is getting out there. First with angels in the sky, but then shepherds who go out and they share with everybody they meet what's going on. The angels' words are powerful. They're filled with hope. 
And at that time, Israel was searching for hope. There was so much stuff going on. And they were just looking for a time when they could just be God's people. They could just be Jewish people. They didn't have to worry about overlords and and Caesars or, or anything else. They didn't have to worry about soldiers and and centurions and and crosses. They could just go about their day to day lives being God's people. So these words are powerful because of the news that they bring. The promised Savior is here. But Luke's also setting up a challenge here. Uh, The same challenge that Jesus later on gives to, to, to his disciples and to the people as well. Luke is saying in this message that they need to choose who they'll accept as their Lord and Savior. See, the titles the angel uses are the same titles that Caesar Augustus has given to himself. Lord and Savior. In Prien, in the area of Turkey, archaeologists have found an inscription concerning the birth of Caesar Augustus. Uh, Augustus. Now listen and see if it sounds kind of familiar. The birth date of our God has signaled the beginning of good news for the world. The echo from this inscription that Caesar Augustus had carved into stone sounds a whole lot like what the angels are saying to the shepherds, a message from heaven. So Luke's sticking it right into into the shepherd's face, but also into our faces as well. Who's our Lord? Who's our Savior? Think about it. Who do we look to to save us? To keep us free? Do we look to people here? Do we look to our own strength? Or do we really look to Jesus? The good news the angel brings... It leads other angels to show up and to praise God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now imagine this scene in your mind. The night sky filled with angels and the glory of the Lord shining over everything. And praise to God ringing through the meadow while the Shepherds watch in amazement and awe. This rejoicing isn't limited to to this field just outside of Bethlehem. The highest heavens, the throne room of, of heaven itself is rejoicing with the shepherds and with us because of what God's doing here. Something that creation could never have imagined. Something that's so unexpected the only response is praise. And why, why praise? Think about it. What gods do you know 
leave their place, leave heaven or paradise or wherever, and come to earth and leave all their power behind to become human just like us. See, the myths are filled with stories of God's coming down. But there ain't no way they're ever going to become one of us. Because that will put them in danger. Somebody might take their life. Somebody might abuse them or hurt them. Somebody might take advantage of them or mock them. Take away their glory. Sound familiar? See, our God comes in the person of Jesus, becomes a child, is born just like us. His parents have to flee for his life. He grows up. Sure, we focus on how he is admired and honored and everything else, but he's also mocked. His own family thinks he's crazy. He's abused. He's rejected. He's beaten. He's killed. We praise God because he loves us so much. He says, I am going to come, become one of you so that I can take all your sin away so that our relationship can be the way it's supposed to be. There is no other God in any of the mythologies that cares that much, that loves us so much. God's not just visiting his people. Eugene Peterson says he's moved into the neighborhood and he made his home among his people. The promised Messiah has come. Worship's all about God, not about you or me. Worship happens more often outside the sanctuary here. Because that's where our lives happen. This time on Sunday morning, whether you're here or joining us from online, it's, it's a break. It's a break from our daily stuff. It's a break to kind of catch our breath, to remember who we are, to, to take time to praise God and, and to celebrate, to find hope and strength once again. But it's all meant so that we can go out from here into our other parts, the other parts of our life where we live out what we, what we gain here on Sunday mornings in all our relationships with everybody else. Where the Spirit actively is reaching out into the world through us. And there are some great pictures of worship in the Bible that are just spontaneous. They just happen out in public without any planning or any thought just because they come from the heart. I love how one writer describes a joy-filled worship scene. 
More than 2,500 years ago, in the bright of day, somewhere in a large Middle Eastern city, the king of a small nation strips down to his underclothes during a religious ceremony and dances to the rhythms of tambourines and castanets and cymbals punctuated by the melody of lyres and hearts and other guitar-like instruments. He celebrates his God, shouting and singing words of exaltation, singing possibly the same songs he had written years Years earlier as a nomadic sheep herder, where his devotion was worked out in the sweat and stench of his servant servant situation. Who's she writing about? King David who's worshiping God because the ark is coming to the temple, that the presence, the, the, the thing that, that God used to show his people he was with them all through the years of, of, of the wilderness is now coming to the place where God, that's built for God to show that God is with his people now in the land. He may even have been singing a psalm like Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise with the godly ones. Let Israel be glad in their maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with all kinds of musical instruments. See, David didn't just write this stuff. He lived this stuff out. His wife was so embarrassed, you know, she kind of turned away from him. But can you imagine what the people were thinking as they saw David celebrating like that, just giving joy in the ways that he just naturally gave joy? He did it in the middle of the street. I was thinking as, as I was studying for this, can you imagine the parade on Lacombe Day's? That, that all of us as, as people of Bethel, as, as followers of God, that we are singing and dancing in the middle of the street. We'll keep our clothes on. Just. Can you imagine what, what impact that would have to the people of Lacombe as they watched? As they watched us sing and dance and praise God with everything we are as we walked down the middle of the street? Why? Because God is with us. Because the gift of Jesus has been given to us. Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us and is living in our hearts and souls and minds, shaping us and forming us to praise God everywhere and every way so that the world can see. That's why I love Revelations chapter 4. Because it starts all in heaven. It's like when I walk, I love... I love it when people keep their curtains open, especially at night, because you can see inside, you can see the decorations, you can see life happening. Well, Revelation chapter 4 is like, it's like us being on a dark street, and there's this living room window open, and the light is shining in there, and you see this big chair, and God's sitting on that chair, and you see all kinds of creatures and angels and it says that the 12 or the 24 elders of, of Israel are, are sitting there and all they are doing is praising God. 
In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they're created and have their being. And this worship flows from heaven, from the throne room of heaven, into the fields of Bethlehem. And I pray into, into this sanctuary and into our lives and into our community. And don't just limit your praise for the extraordinary baby in a manger. Praise God for the ordinary things of life. For eyes that see the stars in the night sky and the baby in a manger. For mouths that are able to sing and shout praise to God and to share your praise with others. Praise God for the food you eat and we're about to eat the clothes you wear, for the place you call home, for family and friends, for a church family and a community of people who care deeply about each other. Praise God for being able to hear the music we play, to sing our praises, for the gifts of those who who share their gift of music and praise with us. Praise God even in the hard times because Jesus is with us through it all. And the most amazing thing is that as we come out of our hard time, or even during our hard time, there are times when others who are going through dark, hard times see us and they recognize that you're walking this path way differently than I am. What gives you hope in the hard times? What gives you peace? And then you're able to bring them comfort and hope as well. Praise God that even our hard times can be used to shine God's glory into the world. There are countless things to praise God for. The Bible calls us to rejoice and praise God for them all. You see, praising God is one of Scripture's major themes. Praise begins in the heart and is connected to our everyday life. And we give praise because we have the gospel message and here it is. It's simple. It's something we should be able to share And it only takes a few moments. You know, God created everything and it's good and very good. However, we're all sinners and we don't measure up to God's standards. God's just. He can't simply tolerate our sin and and pretend it's not there. He must punish sin and the punishment is death. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. No matter how good we might be, we still sin. But the good news comes because God's also love and provides a substitute to take our punishment for us. There's no creature able to do it. So God 
sends his own son Jesus as the perfect substitute to take our place, completely God and completely sinless human. And our sin is placed on Jesus who takes it to the cross and to the grave and after three days rises from the dead having completely overcome sin and death. Jesus offers forgiveness and new life, a gracious gift to all those who will believe in him. And Jesus then gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us. We're saved to do good works, showing our thankfulness to Jesus, assuring us of our faith so others can be won over for Jesus. We memorize all kinds of things. Here is something you can memorize. And in a minute, you can share the good news with someone. And that's why we pray for God to give us ears and hearts and minds that are open to those moments where we can share the gospel news, the good news with someone else so that they can come to a place where they're rejoicing and praising God for the gift of Jesus as well. We need to learn to see what the Holy Spirit's doing in us and around us. Don't just give him praise when he answers a prayer the way we were hoping. It's easy to praise God when he gives us what we want. But it's something better to praise and give God thanks when things aren't going our way. Praise God then because he's with us. He's Emmanuel. He never abandons us. And he will always give us what we need. So join the angels and shepherds in praising Jesus. May our life and words be shaped by Psalm 138. I will praise you, O God, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. And join with creation and praise God at all times with the psalmist in 69. Let heaven and earth praise and the seas and everything that moves in them. And in Psalm 66 reminds us that Jesus is returning and all the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. So may we be worshiping and praising Jesus alongside creation when he returns. And may we praise him every day until then. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your gift and thank you for the gift of praise. Thank you for, for the joy that comes from belonging to you. Lord, may we be a people that allows that joy to flow through us and to everyone around us. Lord, may your glory shine so the darkness is taken away. Lord, we look forward to the day when your son returns and all creation will bow down and worship him and joy will fill all creation. Thank you. Amen. In response, let's join the angels in singing Angels from the Realms of Glory.